It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a crowd podcast. It's a big, big sin, James. That's an enormous sin. If you're playing shit, just enjoy the view. It's nice. It's by the sea. I'm not saying, Beef, that pro golfers have it really easy. Yeah, the one where they pass the bottle around. Yes, we do need a mince course mixer. <laughs> G'day, my favourite wombats. There was one plastic tea, one rubber tea. I'm still confused what I'd have. Like, maybe like a rack of ribs in my bag. No! Oh, my God! I'm Andrew Beef Johnston. And I'm John Robbins. Welcome to Beef's Golf Club. What's happening, mate? How are you, man? I am good. I've just come back from a weekend playing. Um, I'm actually not going to name the course because I'm about to be a bit mean about it. Is that all right? Oh, let loose. Yeah, we won't name well, it, but what, what's, the, what's, what's happening? What's the problem? Well, the course was great and... It's one of those courses that's perfect for your average golfer because a lot of the par fours were quite short. So they weren't necessarily drivable, but they were really within your uh, skill set. You had to think about where where you wanted to sort of be playing your second shot from. So every hole had interest. And that's what I like in a golf course, right? So course, no complaints. However, there was a little sense of sort of faded glory about the place itself. And it's one of the worst driving ranges <laughs> I've ever been on. It was like, literally, it was like I was in The Last of Us and I was taking that poor little girl across the infected area and we'd stumbled across a driving range from before, <laughs> before, the, uh, before the unpleasant event. It was overgrown. There was one plastic tea, one rubber tea between six bays. There was a net at the side that had just completely collapsed. And get this, they'd run out of balls at the pro shop, which wasn't a pro shop. It was it was just a coffee machine in a sort of terrapin, uh, a sort of temporary office. They'd run out of balls, so they said, I'll just go on to the driving ranger's grab as many as you like. So... You're just sort of running onto this overgrown driving range, grabbing balls. Most of them are, like, split in half. Then 
we get back to the range, just some guy with his dog just starts walking across the entire width of the driving range, picking up balls and putting them in his pockets and walking off. <laughs> Unbelievable. Can we not name and shame this golf course? Because I really want to know what it is. Well, I, it's not. I'm not going to shame them because I think what happened was it's a golf and country club where they've just stopped really caring as much about the golf as they do about like the conference facilities and the hotel part because the the pro shop was just a such a sorry sight it was a guy in like a, a temporary little till there was instant coffee and a jug of hot water on the side and you had to <laughs> if you wanted a coffee you had to pay a quid for this jug of hot water instant coffee at one of those big sort of kilo nescafe things it was just i felt bad because the putting green was quite nice but it had fallen into disrepair however the course itself was excellent so i'm i'm not going to name them because everyone there was very nice oh so good anyway beef uh what's been going on for you mate what has been happening i've been doing some coaching here in singapore funny enough um amazing which has been which has been great fun. I've had some great feedback um, from a few people. Really enjoyed the lessons, and it's been so nice helping them with their game and thinking about golf in a different way. It was it's been really strange because I'm usually the one asking questions to my coach, uh, to Jamie, and saying like, "Oh, do I need to feel this more? Do I need to feel that?" And all of a sudden, I was like the other side, and really had to sort of change the way I thought about how I'm going to say something and how to get people to understand their swing. So it's been it's been like really fun and really interesting and um I think it's definitely really helped over the last the last month or rehabbing and feeling such a long way off actually playing golf. It's it's been really good to keep my mind in golf and I think actually it's really helped me with my swing. Well, I tell you what, when you gave me a few impromptu lessons when we played, what was great about the way you did it is you spoke in terms of like a feeling as opposed to going well your arm you're coming inside out and you need to make a figure of eight and you need your wrist to cock at this point and all that stuff that just confuses me you were like imagine you're taking a bigger divot imagine you're hitting it left feel like you're and that that's I think a really good place to get people to be able to remember the instruction they're being given as opposed to like trying to draw a diagram in their head of a swing yeah yeah 100% um yeah, especially with some some of the lessons and like some strange things sort of come out after sort of half an hour or 40 minutes and you find the right sort of piece of the puzzle to say to people. So a couple of times I would say like I was on the right line of what I was trying to get them to do and change in their swing or whatever. And then I say like it in a slightly different way or a slightly different thought and all of a sudden like you could see the penny drop and they're like, oh yeah, I get it. And when they start hitting it good, it's such, it's such a nice feel-good factor. Oh, Professor Beef. Professor Beef's golf school. That's the dream. How much are you charging, by the way? <laughs> Was it 40 quid for half an hour? 60 quid for a full hour? 100 quid for an on-course lesson? Yeah, have you not seen the prices in Singapore? No, what are they like? Yeah, oh, mate, it's so expensive here. So if you want a lesson with Beef, do check out uh, his Instagram. Is that where pe most people get in touch with you? Yeah, just drop me a message. Drop me a message. Come and hit a few. I'll sort you out. Lovely stuff. Right, this inbox is getting out of control, Beef, so we've got to get on top of it. Yeah, 100%, mate. Let's get started. Mm -hmm. 
Well, mate, I think we've got too carried away with beef stock planning and we have forgotten about all the business, all the club stuff, all the admin. I mean, it's piled up. I haven't looked at it for weeks and now we're running. We've got a real problem. We need to get through it. Yes, we have, dear. Our inbox is so high. It's actually sky high. But very excitingly, there's one golden envelope sitting atop all of the other correspondence beef and it's special urgent delivery signed for first class FAO Beef Beefy Johnston. So do you want to do the honours and find out what on earth? Because this person's obviously spent well, easily 50 quid on postage and packaging. <laughs> so I think it's only right that we begin with this special bit of mail. Yes, John, huge Huge news. What is it? What is it? Put us out of our misery. The first Beefs Golf Club ball has been found. <gasps> Legit found. No. Oh, my God. Fanfare, please. Oh, we've, I mean, we've had the trumpeter stationed here at Beefs Golf Club for a year and a half now, and... That was his first go. Not bad, I thought. This is incredible news. Yes, Gary has found a Beefs Golf Club golf ball plugged on the second hole at Llanishan Golf Club in Cardiff, which is Wales's golf club of the year. And apparently happy to host us when we next visit. I'd love to get a little bit of insight from Gary about, you know, his expectations, what, what it felt like when he turned that ball over. Maybe we could get a little um, a little recording of uh, Gary talking us through it and whack it in right here. Hi, Beef. Hi, John. I play a Flanish and golf club in Cardiff. Love the pod. Started our first round, first of the season. High hopes to lower our handicaps, shoot good scores. We were playing down the second. All of a sudden, hear my friend Steph shout, Why on earth is Beef Johnston's face on a golf ball? So explain to him the pod. John Robbins, Beef Johnston, now he's an avid listener, and I'm pretty sure I know who lost the ball. I've seen his tweet about losing a ball on the 12th. So hopefully we can uh, we can find out who that is. Maybe have a few rounds together. How do you pronounce that golf club? I mean, it's brutal, isn't it? Well, I'm going Hlanishen. The one thing I can tell about Hlanishen Golf Club is that it's quite wet and boggy because um, it was plugged. It was plugged. I wonder if... You know, I wonder if your face was visible or whether it was just turned over and there was a little sort of shock, a little thrill. Um, but we need to get a map up, don't we, with pins in the map. So the first one has now been found. We can perhaps put that somewhere on our social media. A little golf flag in the map of the UK, because that's the first one in Wales. So now the race is on for the first one in Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and the rest of the world, of course. Incredible, man. <laughs> and I think the onus is on Gary to now lose that golf ball somewhere. That's the art of recycling, right? Yeah. He needs to maybe put found by Gary on and the date on it and then play it <laughs> until he loses it. Yeah, hopefully we know. Like, I do want an update of when he loses it, but not where. Yes. So we know it's back into the wild. Well, we've had some sort of some leads because there's potentially one to be found in Scotland. John Grant says Beef's Golf Club golf ball lost in a bush on the 14th of the Carnoustie Championship course. Not bad at all, considering I was playing the eighth. 
<laughs> and in England, Ian Morgan, who is the club's social admin, says, if you ever find yourself on West Midlands Golf Course, there is a Beefs Golf Club golf ball on the third hole, right off the tee, in all sorts of trouble. They're the ones that we've said before, like when you're a junior and you go an afternoon and go and find loads of golf balls. Yeah. Junior will find that one for sure. Yeah. And a little bit of inspiration from BGC's legend, James Henshaw. Uh, James says, I have a little confession about a moment of inspiration I had from this week's podcast. I went to the driving range today as it was absolutely howling it down and decided I would fire in my very last Beefs Golf Club golf ball into the range. Somewhere around the 175-yard line on Ruffock Park Golf and Country Club is Beefs Golf Club golf ball. I hope it ends up back in the system. Someone gets it randomly in a bucket and picks it up for themselves and finds out about this lovely podcast and club. I mean... So get searching, team. I don't know if you should be happy or sad that he's just gone, oh, fuck it, I'm going to hit a ball on the range, rather than use it on a course. Slightly insulting, James, but yeah, hopefully someone's going to find that in their basket and maybe treasure it a bit more than you did. Well, we've we've spoken about the joys of finding a premium golf ball in the range bucket before. I think you don't get more premium than a BGCGB. <laughs> We've got more letters, Beef, so do you want to take the next one along? This is from James Plescott. Hi team, love the pod. I would like to nominate a rule for Beef's Golf Club, the this-will-look-good rule. Obviously, to get a handicap down, it's all about playing sensible shots, but once around, you should be able to nominate a high-risk shot that if you pull it off, it will look incredible, like a flop shot from the fringe or going for a par 5 in 2 over the lake. And if it goes tits up, you get to replay it and you have to take a sensible shot. Just a good chance to show off and have a laugh, but with no risk to the scorecard. What do you feel about that, John? It's basically like a pre-recorded mulligan. Like a worldy wild card. <laughs> so you try to go for the worldy and you can play your wild card once around. I like that. I mean, it, it, the problem is it just means your score doesn't really count, but I think it's a great thing to have in a social round. Yeah, I don't think you could have it in a, in a tournament because that's where the fun is. That's where the fun is. If you pull off the worldie, then it's obviously making your day and making your score, and you could potentially save two or three shots if you pull that shot off, or it could be a disaster, and that's golf. I'm pretty sure Harrington used to play a game where if someone calls a shot early, so say if you hit one, John, and I go, ah, oh, shot, and it actually turns out to be pretty shit, you could take it again from someone's <laughs> early call? Oh, I've done that myself before. I've towed a, like an eight iron on a par three and gone, oh, John, and then sworn. And it's just like scooted up onto the green and just sort of rolled within six feet. <laughs> but some, I do have a habit of like saying, calling good shot on other people too early. And then, you know, the slice takes effect at about halfway through its flight. <laughs> We're starting to film for Bad Golf again, and we played Fox Hills. And one of my... My ball ended up in the trees. But just because of the angle it was, there was a row of 12 trees either side of my ball. So there was this perfect corridor to the green, maybe about two and a half foot gap between them. So we all had a go at trying to hit the shot. It would have been about 50 yards worth of trees on each side lined up really nice. We all had a go at hitting the, the world-class shot through there, but none of us, none of us. I think the most we got past was five of the 12 trees before hitting one. <laughs> They're so good, them shots. And when, yeah, when you go over to your ball and you see like a little gap and you just think, oh, how can I, how can I not have a go at that? I tell you what it teaches you is how few amateur golfers, including myself, know the trajectory of each of their clubs. 
because you look for a little gap like that that really famous shot of Seve where he where he sees the gap that Billy Foster talks about you have to know the angle that each of your irons and wedges goes and I don't think I know any golfers who know that yeah but that was the whole point of our of our range and having the um Harry Potter nets up yes so we we know then how high we're hitting it yep. so we're going to have all them nets up so yeah we can work on flight in the ball I think it's a genius idea and having like big floating cow yeah <laughs> up there mooing every time someone hits it um well james i think we agree with your idea actually the reverse mulligan the retrospective mulligan the worldy wild card I had a great question in from george sampson george says dear beef and john i'm a fairly new golfer who's been just about breaking 100 consistently in my last few rounds however this has been around my home course which is fairly kind to say the least it's full length but pretty short it's completely flat with very few hazards and bunkers in a few weeks' time, I'll be venturing pretty far out of my comfort zone onto a Lynx course. I've never played one, and to be honest, I'm not completely sure what the difference is, how to adjust my game for the occasion, or what kind of shots I should be practising ahead of time. Any advice? Well, for listeners that don't know, a Lynx course, I think, basically just means a course that's on a coast or right next to a large body of water isn't it yeah and i'll say that the difference is you'd get a lot there'd be less trees and it'd be more firm more windy because it's, they're generally by the coast and a lot more sort of rugged looking yeah be interesting to hear beef's take on this but my understanding is like a mid handicapper is traditionally you want to be hitting balls with a lower flight to keep below the wind i would say that's probably not in my toolkit to do that and you might end up making more mistakes than than you save shots. But what I would say is when you're sort of within like 100, 120 yards of the green, up to like 10 yards, hit bump and runs as opposed to hitting wedges or, or gap wedges high in the air. Because the first time I played Lynx, I played Castle Rock, which is just down from Portrush. And the wind was about 30 miles an hour. And it was absolutely brutal. So you get in a situation where like you're hitting an eight iron or a seven iron to the green. And if the wind is against you, you hit it and it goes straight up in the air and the wind actually blows it back towards you. So I'd hit an, a seven iron about 100 yards and the ball would come back and roll towards me. <laughs> so that sort of shot's no good. What do you reckon, Beef? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're going to really, if, if you get a windy day, you're going to really see what the wind actually does to the ball. Yeah, into wind, definitely just take more club and hit it a bit softer if you can. But yeah, I like the idea, especially sort of chipping from a distance out. You can you can use a seven iron, an eight iron, something just to get it going forward. There's not as much trouble in front of the greens sometimes on links. So yeah, you can sort of chip it and run it up a little bit more. And because it's firmer and faster, it will run. It's not like um, a parkland where it tends to just stop. So yeah, definitely try different shots like that. A good thing to practice would be to get like a pitching wedge to seven iron and just practice like a shoulder to shoulder sort of big putting action and just get distances for each one so for me my seven iron would be about 100 yards my eight would be about 90 my nine would be 80 and all the way down and all of those shots where the ball's not actually going above head height yeah the other bit of advice is avoid the bunkers as well always avoid the bunkers Always avoid the bunkers. <laughs> Always avoid, especially Lynx. But let us know how it goes, because Lynx courses are so great, but they are a real, they're a different kettle of fish. Yeah, and if you're playing shit, just enjoy the view. It's nice, it's by the sea. When I played Castle Rock, I said to my friend, what are you aiming for today? And he said, he's from Cork, he said, John, I'm not, not setting myself a score target as such. 
I'm setting myself a mood. And I thought that was so cool. <laughs> so he set himself a mood to play with. And, and, and that's a really good way of looking I've at it. Never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually quite genius. Yeah, set yourself a mindset as opposed to a score. Mate, we've had such an amazing reaction from all the members for the Breaking 100 episode a couple of weeks ago. There's been so many emails. And just thank you to everyone who's got in touch and joined the Beef 100 Club. We do read everything. But there's so many, we can't reply to them all. So keep sending them in. We'll reply to as many as possible and we'll keep going. But thanks so much. Yeah, Charlotte Warren says, found the Breaking 100 podcast really good to set small goals. Ignored the score all round and was delighted to be blob free on the front nine. Amazing. Back nine, not so good, but that's the goal for my next round. But I did manage to end the round with the same ball I started with. That's huge. If you can not lose a ball for a whole round... I went through a period when I was trying to break 100. I would maybe have two or three pars, might even be in a row, or I'd have a, a nine where I'd be maybe like nine over, and I'd mess it up on the back nine or whatever, and I'd get really angry at myself and be like, why did you mess that up? But I think you've got to flip that mindset and be more like, oh, great, there's a glimpse of my potential at the minute. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. Gary Parsons says... Just had my first 18 holes at East Devon Golf Club. Took the game up back in July and today I shot 126. I'm trying to be positive as I did play a few good holes, but also some very bad ones. I can only get better, I hope. Oh, well, Gary, I would say, I mean, I think when you're trying to break those barriers, 100, 90, 80, obviously you want to do it counting every shot. Like when you're about 126, what I would do is probably pick up after like four over. So a net double bogey, because no one really in England is playing stroke play where you're counting every single shot that much. Most people are playing stable for most weeks. So no one's shooting nines, tens and elevens on holes when they're getting... And it doesn't count for handicap if you do. Am I right in saying East Devon Golf Club is a uh, Lynx? Ooh, good cue. Let's have a little look. Yes, it certainly is very much on the coast. So who knows? Maybe the wind was up. Looks nice, actually. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure I played there a while ago. And again, if you're playing a Lynx course as well, it's to be even kinder to yourself because it is, it's difficult. And like, you can get in thick, rough, lose balls easily, get into pot bunkers and really deep bunkers and stuff like that. So I think you did really well to to keep battling it out. And definitely, you will get better. Just keep going, mate. Yeah. This is from Lewis, or Louis Barani. And they say, I started playing last September, so I only know winter golf and the best I achieved was 106. Absolutely love every minute of the journey. So how, what do you reckon winter golf adds to your score, Beef? This year I played all through the winter, and I have to say it did affect my sort of passion for golf after a while. <laughs> I am so in awe of people who can score well when it's raining and muddy because I really struggle. It is pretty grim, like especially, it, it's when it gets to a certain point of sort of, wetness and muddiness and really bobbly soft greens if if the course condition's okay and it's fairly dry it's all right there's like a limit isn't there when it's like oh, i'm not enjoying this well i think i'm not saying beef that pro golfers have it really easy i'm not saying that <laughs> even though there's no rough at augusta even though the crowds trample down whatever rough there is even though 
if you miss hit the ball, it probably bounces off a spectator and back onto the green. I'm not saying professionals have it easy. I'm not saying they have it easy. Even though someone carries all of your clubs, cleans all your clubs, and you get as many free, spare, dry gloves, trousers, hats, coats as you want. I'm not saying pro golfers have it easy. (laughs) However, they never, ever play in the conditions that club golfers play in. And the courses they're playing on, the drainage is so exceptional. The drainage at Augusta, after that day of rain, was unreal how that course recovered. (laughs) So I would probably, if you're new to it, I would be adding at least 10 shots to what I was expecting if it's pissing wet and muddy. Yeah, I would say the difference is, obviously the ball's not going to go as far because it's muddy, so it just, as soon as it hits the ground, it stops. So you definitely hit some shots off the tee that you get closer two for a second shots and the ball run up to the green a bit closer and other times as well so I think that definitely can make it easier sometimes hitting into the green and chipping can be a bit more difficult because the greens are firmer and a bit faster in the summer so there's like the the trade-off I'd say between the two but I think from the older players I've spoken to their whole year is their handicap goes up and up and up and up in winter because they're losing so much distance and then it goes down and down and down in the summer. Because if your drive is 180 yards and in winter it just stops dead as soon as it bounces and in summer it can easily run on for another 40 yards, especially downhill. I mean, sometimes, you know, 80 yards you're adding to your drive. So go easy on yourselves. Also, there's another option as well. If it's absolutely pissing it down, windy, go and get a coffee somewhere. Yeah, yeah, stay at home. <laughs> just <laughs> Just look, like, a couple of times I've I've turned up to the golf club to meet friends at North Mid and I, I've looked out the window and I'm like, it's hammering it down and I see people putting out on a hole and I'm thinking, you guys are crazy. Well, the problem is that a lot of clubs, the memberships will have quite strict rules about you can't pull out on the day or if you do pull out without good excuse, you get a like a month ban from playing. I know that that's the case at my course. If you walk off the course, you get a month ban. If you cancel on the day too many times, you get a month ban. So then the call is, well, we only stop for weather if the course is closed. But courses tend not to close in bad weather because they need the money so much. So you do end up playing in conditions where you think, this is so stupid. John, John, I've got a question for you. Yeah. So obviously the way the tour works, and if you're injured... I have to get like a medical note, right? Because I can't play. Yeah. If you pull out injured at your golf course, do you need to get a medical note so they don't ban you for a month? No, you don't need a medical note. What you need is a very convincing limp back to the clubhouse. (laughs) And there's a way, when you're getting to the hole or the green that's closest to the clubhouse, you need to start laying the groundwork of the injury, sort of, oh, I think I pulled the old, um, I just got pain in my hamstring, it's really weird. And then as you're teeing it off on the tee box that's about 200 yards from the clubhouse, you've got to then think, at what point in my swing am I going to start to scream? And then do I fully collapse on the floor? Is that too much? Or I just pull up? And I think the best thing to do is just pull up. But you, it's got to have been there for a couple of holes beforehand when you're planning your injury. <laughs> Yeah, pick the ball out the hole really awkwardly. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or, or take a COVID test with you uh, and develop a sort of cough around the fifth. Maybe it becomes persistent around the eighth. Do the COVID test on the ninth. Yeah, you're back in the clubhouse. Apologise to your playing partners. <laughs> yeah, and then you're playing your tea time at 9am tomorrow as well. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from Rosie North. 
Rosie says, I love being part of the hashtag Beef 100 Club. Can we get a certificate for each tier of 190.80 like you used to get at swimming lessons? But rather than dolphins, they're little cows. Such a good idea. And I've actually seen little patches that say like 100 breaker, 80 breaker that you sew onto your golf bag. I think that would be great to have like a little calf, a little cow and then a, a, a raging bull for breaking... Uh, 100, 19, 80. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Maybe we could get Doodle Moose to uh, design some certificates for us. Oh, could Doodle Moose design the little patches? So swimming badges for golf based on Beef's Golf Club Golfers breaking 100, 19, 80, and then we can get them up on the merch site. Yeah, we'll get on it. We'll ask him. I've got one thing that's just crossed my mind. Do you think Doodle Moose is Scottish? And it's supposed to be Doodle Mouse. Yeah, I think we should probably check whether it's Doodle Mouse. Is it Doodle Mouse or Doodle Moose? I don't know, but is it like Doodle Moose? And he's just spelled it different because he's Scottish. Uh, Mark Houghton says, as part of Beef's Golf Club for new members, can we have a herding day? Basically a day where all new members get to meet each other and play around on the mince course. Great way to introduce new members and make new friends. Yes, we do need a mince course mixer, (laughs) don't we? Little canapes. What would you have for your canapes? I always find... I was at an event recently with lots of canapes. I always find them... When they're too small, I get frustrated because I need to take so many off the tray that it looks greedy. When they're too big, they're actually quite hard to eat just out of your hand. I'm not really a canapé guy, though. My top tip at any wedding is find where the door from the kitchen to the main room is and just stand by the door so that as the people are coming in and out with trays, you're just straight in there. I always remember going like to weddings as a kid and they always used to have the cheese and pineapple on a stick thing. At weddings? I think so. Or birthday parties. Fucking weddings were you going to? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pineapple and cheese on a stick. Is it pineapple and cheese? Or is it in a car park? Are you talking about a wedding that's sort of full of two to eight-year-olds and there's lots of balloons saying sort of like, happy birthday? Do you mean that that sort of wedding? Yeah, the one where they pass the parcel around. Yeah, yeah, sort of children's wedding. That's not too disturbing an image. Anyway, Mark, I think it's a great idea and we should get a little um, get-together and stuff so people can meet each other and play and make friends. I think I think that's a great idea as well. Yes, and finally from the Beef 100 Club, this is from Graham Houghton. Don't know if he's any relation to Mark Houghton. <laughs> Gents, in the Breaking 100 episode, Chloe was having bother, feeling welcome and included in this ridiculous pastime that we call golf. Members of Beef's Golf Club should check out Love Golf. It's an initiative to get lady players who are total beginners into the game. My wife got involved 18 months ago, and from never swinging a golf club, she's off 21. In other news, she's now on a weekend jolly up at Laceby Manor in Lincolnshire with 11 other members from our ladies' club. Our club is Burstwick Country Golf. Please give them a shout-out. They're exactly the kind of club John mentioned to Chloe. Great family vibe and maximum inclusivity. And that's from Graham. Thanks so much for sending that in, Graham. That's great news. Yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. 18 months to... To get down to 21 is some achievement. I've never picking a golf club up. That's incredible. Yeah, that's really good. Huge congrats. And definitely we'll check out Love Golf and um, see if we can maybe do something together and link up and just get more people playing and enjoying it together. Amen to that. Hey, it's Kate. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We've had a suggestion from Harry Delito. Harry says, Hi, Beef and John. I've been an avid listener for the podcast, which has been uh, excellent in helping me get through my long-distance runs in prep for the London Marathon, which I completed a few weeks ago, raising over £4,000 for Macmillan Cancer Research. Well done, Harry. That's a fantastic cause. I regularly play a four ball with my mates and we have a reward for good play called the birdie bar, where one player each time brings along a big bar of dairy milk chocolate and you only get to break off and eat a chunk when you score a birdie. Safe to say, I've only had it a few times, but it's always extra motivation to make that putt. My question is, does Beef or any other tour pro have little incentives or rewards as you are going around the course? All the best, Harry. Beef. Do you keep little bits of jerky in your bag for when you, you know, get a green in regulation or something? What we do is we have like the big whole nut bars, but you don't break off a chunk. You just eat the whole bar if you make a birdie. Whole bar for a birdie. Yeah. So you could get through six, seven big bars in a round. It's great. Yeah. So you're looking at what would that be about? 3,000 calories for um, six under. You'd just about burn that off, probably. That is, that's a really good idea. I like that because it's you get a nice little treat for making a birdie and you can bring it and play with your mates and pass it around. I really like that. That's, that's cool. I don't know what I would use, though, to be honest. Mm, what kind good. of chocolate or kind of food I would use? You, I mean, I'm sort of off the chocolates, but then I am eating a lot of protein bars, which are basically like big chocolates. So I'm actually, by getting off the chocolate, I'm now eating more chocolate than I've ever eaten in my life. That tastes less like chocolate. Oh, it's not bad, actually. I mean, I don't eat really any sugary stuff, so to me, a, a vegan protein bar tastes pretty damn sweet. So wouldn't you just bring, like, a pack of samosas? Well, I'd have my samosa anyway, so it would need to be a treat. Or oh, you eat them anyway? Maybe, like, a pizza in six slices. And I have a slice every time I hit a bird. <laughs> but I think the better motivation for people in the Break 100 Club is every time you avoid a double bogey. And that would make you think about your shot selection much more carefully if you were going to have a bit of chocolate every time you got a bogey or better. So that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a really good idea because you can level it off to, to any standard, which is really cool. 
I'm still I'm still confused what I'd have. Like maybe like a rack of ribs in my bag. Definitely, yeah, just peel one one rib out. Like bogey back ribs. <laughs> so anytime it's a bogey or less, you have a bit of a rib. Though there's nothing it's horrible when you get like food on your hands when you're playing golf. I don't like sticky, sticky hands when I'm playing golf, so I always uh, keep a packet of moist wipes in the bag. Oh, I love it, man. You're just I love the organization. So organized. <laughs> All right, John, this is from Scott Blenko in Australia. And you can, he didn't even need to say he's from Australia because he just starts off like this. G'day, my favourite wombats. Right. Was that, a, was that, the, hmm. <laughs> G'day, my favourite wombats. <laughs> I'd like to say better, but I don't think I can. <laughs> when you get around to building the potty pen. Okay, it's coming and going. One feature I'd love to see are coloured rings around the holes and markers of how close the average PGA Tour play could expect to get. I can't do it. I'm just going to read this out. <laughs> so basically, he says, when you get around to building the potty pen, which I've got no fucking idea what that is, so we need to... Yeah, what's a potty pen? I don't, I don't... I have no idea. One feature I'd love to see are coloured rings around the holes and markers of how close the average PGA Tour players hit it. Ah, it would really help members appreciate what a great bad putter is. Yes, I think it's really... I don't understand a great deal of that email, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think Scott means, on a putting green, to have rings at distances with PGA Tour players make percentages. And I think that's a really good idea, because when you're watching golf on TV, you're seeing the best golfers in the world playing at their best. That's what the cameras are showing you. They're not showing the guy shooting 86 who's having an absolute nightmare. So it gives people a really unrealistic view of of putts. So it's quite frequent you see players holding 30, 40-foot putts when you're watching the, you know, the final rounds of the Masters or, or the US Open or whatever. Whereas actually, the make percentages of putts, they miss more than they sink at eight feet. A PGA player is more likely to miss than to hold the ball, which is kind of not what it feels like watching golf. However, where it is really different is from three feet, they're making 96% of putts. From three to four feet, they're making 92.5% of putts. I would say sometimes I will miss 50% of my three-foot putts in a round of golf. So I think it would be really good if you had a, a circle at three feet which said 96%, a circle at eight feet that said 50%, and a circle at 20 feet that said 15%. Yeah, you're right. TV, The TV coverage doesn't do it justice sometimes. And it's frustrating to watch as well, right? Because you could watch like the leaders go off and you watch them for like six, seven holes. And they go to some guy who's like 15th or 20th or maybe even further back. And he's like either chipping or he's got a 60-foot putt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already know it's going in because they're showing it. What's the point? You're like, oh, yeah, he's going to knock that in. Great. And I, I would like to see definitely more more cameras and more groups and actually follow people's whole round. Yeah, like a player cam. You would definitely see way more bad shots, 100%. I had a funny one in Dubai, actually, this year. We restarted our second round. I did the middle of the fairway of one hole and... Richard Bland hit a shot. He hit a shot in and he was about 60 or 70 foot away. And I've hit this eight iron to about two foot. And he's hit this 70 foot putt that's gone straight in the hole. And then I missed mine from two foot. <laughs> I was so angry. 
<laughs> so yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of us, and but you'd never see that. Uh, Scott's got another idea. I'd also like to see a giant golf snooker rink, an area boarded off where you putt into six pockets as an alternative putting game. It's not a bad idea. That would be good for um, sort of reading break and stuff. Yeah, I wonder how you could develop that. You'd have a, like a bowling green, putting green, with like a wooden frame and then holes in the uh, corners and in the middle. So it would be, like, p- good for practising your line. It'd have to be 100% flat. I would definitely have, like, the corner pockets being slightly bigger than the middle pockets as well, or having a couple pockets that are, like, really small, which then you could make, maybe, you could have more points. So it, it's like, or you have, like, a, the coloured balls are slightly bigger, so the, the hole, it makes the hole smaller or something like that. Yes. Didn't Callaway bring out a ball that's slightly bigger this year? No. It's not allowed, is it? Yeah, because most balls, most golf balls are actually slightly under the legal size, the maximum size. And Callaway brought out one that was something like 18% bigger. And the theory is it makes it easier to hit. I'm not sure whether it makes it easier to putt, though. Probably not easier to putt. No, but <laughs> yeah, quite quite an interesting idea for getting better contact. Imagine imagine the pitch as well. They've spent like six months all like research and development going, right, we're going to make this ball 18% bigger. It's going to be easier to hit. Everyone's going to love it. They're going to hit it straighter. They're going to hit it further. And the geese has just turned around and gone, yeah, but it makes it harder to putt, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And whilst we're on putting, there have been several cries for putt to a biscuit to be made into a T-shirt. And did you see the video of the putting engineer on Instagram actually trying to putt into a jammy dodger? Uh, We'd like to encourage people to send us videos of the putt to a biscuit challenge, please, especially getting it to rest in the middle of a jammy dodger. Uh, We'll see who's the first person to actually do it. A bit like those putt-out putting mats. Have you ever used one of those where they've got the little ramp at the end and you have to hit it at the exact speed to get it to rest in the middle of the ramp? I got one of those. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, surely we've got to take some commission if Jamie Dodger's sales go up. Yeah, make sure you tag at Beefs Golf Club in all of your social media photos and videos. But there's even more. There's more. We've got more correspondence beef. So much. We've got some golfing confessions. Are you ready to put on your... um? cassock (laughs) yes i'm ready i love confessions let's do it okay we'll strap in dear father beef this is from tim coleman i used to play at the lovely three hammers golf complex located just outside wolverhampton the site of regular par three course tournaments with friends one friday afternoon i was holding steady in a four ball as we approached the seventh the hole runs directly alongside the busy a449 dual carriageway The rest of the group had already hit their shots, all dropping short of the green, so I thought I'd give it a little extra juice. Of course, what happened was that that extra tinkle of power turned into an awful slice. A slice that went at near right angles off the tee, disappeared through the trees lining the course and onto the road. It couldn't have been much worse. But then it did get worse, heralded by a sound I would never forget. An almighty thwack of hardened Titleist branded dimples onto metal car body. The screech of brakes. I'd managed to hit him or her at their cruising speed of 50 to 60 miles an hour. We fled the tee. Surely they'd come looking for us. But after five minutes, there was no sign of an angry driver. We assumed they'd simply driven on. The three others headed towards the green to chip in their second shots while I slunk back to the tee to play a replacement ball. But even before I could re-spot the tee, I heard shouts from towards the green. Get up here now! Of course, I feared the worst. The trees thinned out in the green, and they could probably see the likely wreckage I had caused. But there was no wreckage. 
What I found instead were three balls of my playing partners all around 20 yards from the green, and ahead of those, a fourth ball on the fringe. My ball, definitely my ball, a tiny bit scuffed, but with the same handwritten titleist number one I feared would be exhibit A in an upcoming insurance court case visible to me. Somehow, I'd sliced it through the trees, into a passing car, it must have bounced back off the car, through the trees, further up the fairway and onto the edge of the green. This was impossible, wasn't it? But there it was. And my shot from the fringe. Could I drop the putt for the greatest birdie in history? Of course not. My hands were shaking so much I left it a good two feet short and had to settle for a par like the others. If that was you driving on the A449 many years ago, I'm pretty sure I did shout four. So technically, I'm covered. Wow, what an epic. Is that beef? I'm not sure if Tim is asking for absolution or forgiveness or whether even he's asking if it might be a sin or not. What do you think? No, it's not even a sin, but it's a miracle. Yeah, what happens if, say, you your car gets hit in a car park by an errant ball? Are you covered? Do golf clubs have insurance for that? Do you have to have your own insurance? How does it work? I, I've got absolutely no idea, but imagine that, though. Like, the emotion of going, oh, my God, I hope everyone's all right. To Hang on, I've got 15 foot for birdie here. I played Helladon course up near Daventry last week. And we were behind, I'm not kidding, like a 10 tee time, so like a 40-player golf day, okay? However, the first hole is a drivable par 4. You know when someone is waiting to drive the green on a par 4, so it takes even longer, and you think, come on, mate, come on, you're obviously not going to hit the green. So these three older players had teed off and had all hit it 50 yards short of the green, and this young lad was waiting for the green to clear to hit his shot. And we we're already about 10 minutes behind and we were thinking, oh, come on, mate. So he hits this ball. He hits it so well, it goes over the green and hits the roof of the golf cart of the team in front driving away from the green. It then bounces back onto the sort of bank behind and rolls to within about 20 feet of the pin. It's the first time I've ever seen someone wait for a green to clear on a par four and then actually hit it. <laughs> But it did go via the roof of the team in front. Fair play. Fair play to him for waiting and pulling it off. Yeah. It's not a fun wait. Because you know you're going you're gonna to mess it up if you've forced everyone to wait for the green to clear. You see some wacky shit, man. One of my friends I remember as juniors, he got the shanks. So obviously the shank gong was in full force. And he tried to play this big flop shot on one hole. Do you remember the seventh at North Mid John, the par five? There's a house behind there. And he's tried to play a full flop shot. And he's hit, like, the most powerful thin shank thing I've ever seen. And it's gone, like, through the trees, hit the house, come down, hit the patio, taken a massive bounce, gone back over the fence, back onto the, into the golf course. Oh, man, if you have a house that backs onto a golf course, let us know. Get in touch, beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk, especially with how the insurance <laughs> works. Do the club cover it? I'd love to know. But we do have another confession, Beef. Yeah, the first one, there's no sin there. I mean, it's a cracking story and I love it. And it's a miracle from the golfing gods. Yeah. Uh, I think this might be a little bit more straightforward. This is from James. Forgive me, Father Beef, for I have sinned. I almost never play the ball as it lies. Even in a perfect lie, I will roll it around a little. No closer to the pin, of course. Oh, dear, dear, dear. It's a big, big sin, James. That's an enormous sin. There's a couple questions here. Do your playing partners know? Have they ever known? 
because if you're doing it and they really don't know or they just know that he's going to roll it and we get on with it, it depends how much of a sin it is. But there has to be some consequences for this. Yeah, if you're playing in a competition and that's your way of playing, I'm sorry, it's immediate DQ for me. However, I do think that when it's really wet, and I don't know to what extent clubs do this, because preferred lies tend to last from sort of October to March, don't they? Do clubs bring them back in if there's been torrential weather in the summer? Because I think they should. I guess it could be a local rule or something if if the weather's really bad. But yeah, I think if it's a casual round and all your mates are doing it, that's absolutely fine. You know, if I'm playing with a friend and they're struggling a bit, I'll say, you know, you can move it out of that divot or you can you know, move it out from behind that tree just for the sake of speed and fun. But if it's any kind of competitive game where other people aren't doing that, I think that is sin numero two. After the, We had one that was slightly worse than that with, was it someone just chucking his ball wherever he wanted to? No, had balls up his sleeves. Yeah, 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 that's, that's a massive sin. He's going to be raking bunkers for years. So what's James got to do? I think this one for a consequence is because whether it's even a good lie or bad lie, I think he's going to have to do three summers of strimming at the golf club. Is it three summers of strimming? Yeah, when that grass gets really and it grows very quick and you always see someone out on a strimmer, one of the green keepers, and you know they fucking hate it. So he's going to have to do three summers of strimming. Yeah, it's horrible work strimming where you're really hot and you've got grass everywhere. And if you've got hay fever, it's a nightmare. What's up next, Beef? This is from Simon Ray. Hello, Beef and John. Love the podcast. Saw this while scrolling through social media and wondered if you'd like to see it at Beef's Golf Club. And it is... It's a warm-up hole, John. So you get to play one hole before you play your actual round. Or, if you don't want to do it, I guess you could have it as a cool-down hole. Well, a couple of problems here. Firstly, the 19th hole is traditionally the bar. So it messes that little joke up, doesn't it? (laughs) That the bar then becomes the 20th hole. Also, I think that's illegal, isn't it? To test the conditions of the course before you play. So I don't know how that works. I quite like the idea. So you can get a feel for the condition. There's nothing worse than going on the putting green and then the greens being totally different to the putting green. Yes, I I guess it all comes down to whether it's like a warm-up facility like a putting green or a driving range and they just happen to have a hole set aside for that or whether it's part of the 18. So when you're playing in a competition, are you teeing off? Is everyone teeing off on the warm-up hole or is it just there to sort of muck about on? Yeah, I think it is. It's just an extra hole where you would you would go and play it before you play your 18 holes. I quite like it. I'm looking into it, mate. Okay, Meadows Farms, about the course. <laughs> it's 27 holes. Our signature hole is a par six when played from the championship tee is 841 yards. This is recognised by the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest hole in the United States. Beef, their uh, logo is a cow on a golf green. (laughs) This might be where we have to have Beef's Golf Club. It looks crazy. Oh, we've got to get there, man. We've got to go. We've got to go to Meadows Farm Golf Course. How many shots do you think it's taking you to get to the green on that par six? Um, Four? Hmm. It's the 12th hole on the longest course. 841 yards from the Blues. It's stroke index one, just FYI. (laughs) 700 yards from the gold and 500 yards from the forward tees. That's going to take me... So my drive, my average drive is about 220. 
So that's going to leave me 640. I'm not very good with my three wood. So let's say that's three of them at 150 on average. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to get there in six, I don't think. In six? No. I reckon you'll do it in four shots. No way. What, averaging 300, 210 yards a shot? Yeah. So I would have to hit my average drive and then three perfect three woods. You've got a rescue, right? Yeah, that goes about 185. Yeah, you squeeze it out of there. Four shots and a chipper. On. Well, we've got to go. We've got to go to Meadows Farm Golf Course. Maybe that could be the US branch of beef's golf club yeah so it's almost now we've turned it into a franchise already okay well if anyone from meadows farm golf course is listening let's get me and beef over there and see who can uh, see who can play the longest golf hole in the world in the quickest time well beef we've had something in from sam ford and it's volunteering for another position here at beef's golf club sam would like to volunteer as the official beef lookalike and there's a photo of you and Sam at the Grove. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say, I think you need to just have more than a quite bad beard to be the official Beefs Golf Club lookalike. What do you reckon? It is, the beard is quite beef-like. Do you know how many I get sent to these? Honestly, 2016-17, when it was like peak chaos, I would be getting definitely a few a week going, oh, look, my boyfriend even looks like you. Can I can I get a signed glove or hey man we got this guy who looks like you at our golf club and I just get all these fuckers coming up man with just a massive beard apparently look like me <laughs> it's so it, honestly it's so funny so sorry Sam so sorry there's actually a guy who looks more like you at my golf club and he's he's kind of muscly he's called Jack I'll have to get a photo of Jack next time I'm playing he really looks like you <laughs> a lot more than Sam does. I mean, Sam looks like if he shaved off that beard, he'd be a very handsome young chap. He's got a lot going for him. What are you saying? Well, you know, a beard can hide a multitude of sins. I think in Sam, he's hiding his light behind a bushel. I think perhaps in your case, I can see the job the bushel's doing. Uh, So do you remember taking this photo with Sam at the Grove? I'm going to say it was a while ago, but (laughs) to be brutally honest... I don't. You're wearing a lot of Titleist gear. Would that be pre-Cobra Puma? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that would have been a while ago. You look like you're wearing a very fancy watch. I I, I definitely don't look as fat in that photo as well, so I definitely would have been one of the health kicks I went on for three months. Okay, so mid-health kick. Yeah, it's got the sort of quality of a, like a sort of Baptist preacher in a in a film about the Old West. Yeah, the beard's phenomenal. I mean, look at the light shining off his beard. Sort of someone warning about the end of days. If you would like to send in your lookalikes, uh, we will find an official Beef's Golf Club beef lookalike for when you can't make corporate engagements, Beef. They can stand in on your behalf to talk about mentality, focus, resilience, that kind of thing. Also, let's just put it out there as well. If there's any John lookalikes, please send them in as well. Like, you can't just mug me off. There's there's two of us here. Yeah, I do get it quite a lot. I, the ones I get are Brad Pitt, George Clooney... Um, Mr. <laughs> Universe, Prince Charming. I do actually get a guy from a band, but I can never remember which band it is, but people do send it to me. The thing is, whenever anyone sends you a lookalike, it always makes you feel awful about yourself. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, my track record's fucking awful. Well, Beef, we've been talking a little bit about beef stock, and that's the reason the admin's piled up so much, because of all the prep. However, you'll remember that beef stock may not have been your brainchild, dear. I have good news. 
We have managed to avoid getting the Beast Golf Club lawyers involved because Paul Bessel, a.k.a. PJB underscore 24 on Twitter, has been in touch. And Paul has laid claim to the original idea of the name Beefstock. Paul says, hi, Beef and John. I am the Beefs Golf Club member that posted the Beefstock tweet, one of my better ideas and honoured to have chipped in with a contribution. Unfortunately, I'm away on holiday when it's on, otherwise I would love to have attended. All the best, Paul. And Paul, by all the best, we are reading into that that you give away all fiduciary rights to and copyright and trademark and uh, financial exploitation of the name Beefstock. So thank you very much for that. And here is the actual tweet... PJB underscore 24, Brill opening episode, love it. Beefstock Golf Festival has to happen. Beef Johnson going, ha 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 ha, yes. <laughs> Cheers, mate. So there you go. Thanks, Paul. And we will send you a sleeve of Beef's Golf Club golf balls. Yes, I'm so pleased we've um, we found you. As I said, someone did give me the idea. And um, as I said, enjoy the golf balls, mate. And hopefully you lose them and someone else finds them. See you there next year, Paul. Right, Beef. So much stuff from our listeners. How does it make you feel with all of these people getting involved in Beef's Golf Club? Isn't it great? I love it because it's such a nice community and like everyone's got their fun different stories and how they're getting on and how they're starting golf and it's just wicked. I definitely, yeah, there's a couple of ideas in this this episode that have been really interesting that we definitely want to do. I really want to do the badges. I think that's a brilliant idea and I definitely think we should do some get-togethers. Yeah, and I really want to fly to America to play uh, an 841-yard par six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so keep that correspondence coming. Email beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk and follow us on social media at Beef's Golf Club or join the Facebook group. If you would like to hear this podcast with no adverts, you can subscribe on Apple podcasts where you'll get access to all of crowds other sports shows you can also listen ad free on amazon music what do we got coming up next time well mate the second major of the season is up so we'll be doing a special on the pga championship the pga championship indeed cannot wait see you there next time bye guys crowd network a place where you belong Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.